Go ahead and be seated this morning. We're going to get right into the Word this morning. We have a little bit of a, uh, of a different approach. I know at this time is typically when we'd be receiving uh, tithes and offerings, but we're going to get right into the Word. And I think that the kids are already uh, in kids' church. Uh, don't worry about it, Heather. If there's not, no biggie. I'll be fine. Thanks. Um, the kids are already in kids' church. Is that correct, Pastor Zach? The kids are there, right? All right, cool. So if you have your Bibles today, take them, open up to Romans chapter 12. Uh, if you have your Bibles on your phone, that's a great uh, app to use. Uh, also, just a reminder, um, we will be receiving tithes and offerings at the end, but I'll go ahead and give you this commercial break now. Uh, the PushPay app that many of you are using is not going to be in use after this week. So we've been saying for about a month or, or so now that you need to go on our website, uh, centerpointme.org. You can download the app there, or you can... Um, it's called, I've got it right here on my phone, Give Plus. So if you have any questions about how to use that, you can stop at the um, information desk out in the foyer. But simply it's Give Plus. You go to that and then it'll tell you to put in the right church and all that. There you go. That's how it looks. There's lots of announcements. You can take note of those if you don't mind. Uh, but I want to get into the Word this morning. So open up to Romans chapter 12. And we're going to be looking at verse 8. If you're new with us, we want to welcome you. Thank you for being here we have been on a journey on talking about the motivational gifts. There are several categories of gifts. There are what we call the sign gifts, and then there are the support gifts. And specifically, we've been on now for seven weeks, the service gifts, or what I like to call the motivational. It's how you're wired to function in the body. And, and I hope that you've been learning from this. I know last week, several, uh, several spouses, or husbands and wives, couples came up to me, and they said, wow, now I understand why he's such a jerk. No, they didn't say that. Um, but now, now I get a little bit more of my husband's wiring. I, I, I under, they didn't say that to me. They may have said that to their spouse. Um, but, or I understand my wife's wiring because we talked about uh, the gift of prophecy last week. And that's, that's a gift that is oftentimes um, uh, misunderstood if you don't understand what it's about and how that person functions. So uh, actually we have those some copies of those notes out there. And Brian is actually going to be helping us by putting all of these online for us, all of the series that I've been through. You can go to our website and go to where you would watch the video if you want to watch the video. Um, if you don't want to look at me, which is kind of scary, I get that too. You can just get the notes. That's much better. Uh, it's much more pleasant on the eyes. Um, but you can get that right off our website. Hopefully starting this week, I'll have all of that to Brian. So we have covered the gift of mercy. Next week, uh, Kevin is going to be talking about the gift of teaching. We've talked about prophecy last week. Uh, we've talked about exhortation or encouraging. Pastor Zach spoke on serving and I spoke on administration or leadership. And today I'm going to be talking about one of your favorite gifts of all. Are you ready? The gift of giving. All right, now I'll close in prayer. Um, <laughs> kidding. <laughs> Some people hear that in the church and they go, oh, great, here we go again. Uh, but it's very important, it's critical that we understand all of these gifts and how they operate and how they work together and what is your gift. And, and you might leave here and say, well, I don't have the gift of giving, I'm off the hook. Well, no, you're not off the hook. And that's, uh, that's what I'm going to share with you this morning. Uh, but I believe that there's some wonderful principles in the word of the Lord that we're going to share with you today. I'm also going to um, probably abbreviate some of my message 
so you'll be able to get it, like I said, online or printed out back today. We make a few copies. But I'm going to abbreviate that because I want to really share heart with you a little bit today. So if you're a guest uh, today, I welcome you. We're honored to have you. Uh, as Pastor Zach said earlier, over in the corner, it says, are you new? You can stop there, uh, get a little gift from us, fill out a card so we can make a connection with you. But we have a, a luncheon that we do once a month, and we'd love to uh, connect with you there. But as a guest, uh, please um, understand that today's message is a family message. It's, it's a message where I'm going to be sharing heart with our church family uh, as we're one family together. And it's something that is important for us to hear and to receive. And I also want to encourage you, if you are a regular here, that, um, and I've said this with every gift, don't say, well, that's not my gift, I'm going to tune out. Uh, every time the Word of God comes to us, it's important that we have ears to hear and eyes to see. And what that means is sometimes, if we hear something we don't like in our flesh, we tune it out. Or we see something we don't like, like, yeah, that's not for me. And when, when we hear the Word of God, it's critical that we ask the Holy Spirit to open our ears and our eyes. Because in our carnal way of thinking, we might not understand and get some things or we might not receive them well. But when we see and hear with the eyes and the ears of the Spirit, of the Holy Spirit, He enlightens our hearts and He compels us to action. So this morning, our scripture text is found in Romans chapter 12, verse 8, and it says, He that giveth, let him do it with simplicity. And that word, when you break that word simplicity down into its original Hebrew context, it means with liberality or liberally. Romans chapter 12, verse 8. So he that gives, let him do so liberally. A couple other scriptures I want to share with you. Romans chapter 12, verse 13. Distributing to the necessity of the saints. Give, and it shall be given unto you. He who is generous will be what? It's awful quiet already. Let's wake up. Let's try that again. He who is generous will be what? Blessed. Do you want to be blessed? Of course you do. Read the first part of that scripture. He who is what? Generous will be blessed. For he gives some of his food to the poor. Proverbs 22, 9. So when we break that original word down, the Greek word uh, for this gift means to share what you have with someone else. To share what you have with someone else. How many of you like to share? How many of you have ever been with kids that don't like to share? Mine! It's my toy! Don't touch it! I've even seen my kids do terrible things that I said my kids would never do, like hit and bite and smack and, right? Anybody, anybody else's children do that or just mine? Mine are the only evil kids. That, that childish, that nature of a child, right? When you see them, and, and we see it in our daycare here, that that child sits down and they play with their toy and that's their toy. And some other kid crawls over there and they grab that toy. It's not so pretty. That's mine. I want that. And so they, they tend to not share so much. And hopefully as we get older as adults, we learn the importance of sharing. This gift is talking about sharing what you have with someone else. We are to share, and the Bible says to give with simplicity or give liberally. So sometimes we will share, but you know, not, not generously, not liberally. Well, I'll give a little bit of my food, but not that much of my food. 
In our house, it's ice cream. I can't tell you how much ice cream we go through in our house. I believe there will be lots of ice cream in heaven. So if we get down to the last few scoops of that glorious, wonderful, straight from heaven, peanut butter ice cream that's got the chunks of peanut butter Reese's Pieces in that, and oh, it's just glorious. I don't know who else likes that. But there's a scoop or two left, and it's, oh, there's not enough for you. I'm taking it all. And instead of sharing that, does that happen in your home too, Keith, or just mine? Yeah, okay. Some things are easier to share than others. We are to give with simplicity. Heplatos is what that word simplicity means. It means to give with sincerity, to give with uprightness and with frankness. This means we are to give with the singleness of heart, having no mixed motives and no regrets. Maybe you've, you've been in a situation where you've given maybe of your resources or your time or whatever it was, and then all of a sudden, you know, the next week, you had need of what you gave away. Oh, I wish I had never given that to so-and-so. Or of my, again, if it's resources or your time, whatever it might have been. But... To give with singleness of heart means that our motives are right. There's no mixed motives. There's, there are no regrets. And we've done so with sincerity. Those who give like this do so for the joy of giving for its own sake. Just for the joy of giving. So the gift of giving is defined as, I think I have it up there, the special ability or gift given by God to certain members of his body to contribute their material resources to the work of the Lord liberally and with cheerfulness, with the right heart, the right spirit. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pray in the next few minutes you would, as only you can by your Holy Spirit, you would speak to our hearts. Lord, cut through all the carnal way of thinking and the, the lies of the enemy that would seek to Rob or take away from what you have for us today. I pray that you just cut through all that nonsense. That you'd speak directly to our hearts today and to our minds. That we would more fully and clearly understand the principles of the word of God today. The commands of the word of God and the, the precepts of scripture today. And, and be able to receive them joyfully and put them into practical application in every area of our lives. In Jesus name, amen. So, the gift of giving is defined as you see it up there. This morning, I also want to remind all of us that not everyone has been blessed by God with the abundant financial or material um, resources to give generously to the work of the Lord. Not everyone is in that, that place, I get that. But everyone, every one of us have been commanded by scripture, to give with cheerfulness. To give with cheerfulness. And again, giving is not just monetarily. It could be of your time, other talents, other resources. Uh, I had a, a, an individual share earlier this morning, came up to me, I shared, and I'll share again in, in the second service about a specific need. And this gentleman came up to me, said, I don't have... Um, a lot of re financial resources to help this person in need. It was talked about a single mom in need of, of heating assistance. He said, but I got a lot of firewood. I got acreage on my property. I've already got wood cut and split and ready. I'll be happy to, 
to bless that person in need. What a great way for someone to use some of the resources that they have to bless somebody else, right? And I'll, I'll get to that story here in just a minute. But everyone has been commanded by Scripture, which we're going to see today, to give with cheerfulness. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 7, each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Now here's where I start to do some toe-stepping, all right? Is anybody warm? Are we warm in here today? I'm hot. Can, can, can you help me, David? Put some air on something, I don't know. Whew. We try, you know, the, this time of the year it gets hard. Usually it's freezing in here. My little bald head is shivering up here because a vent blows right on me. Hey, you got, most of you have hair. That makes a big difference. How many bald friends do I have out there? Isn't it awful when that cold vent's blowing right on your head, Kurt? I get it. I feel your pain. Uh, but it's warm today. I'm hot. So help us to make it cooler. Um, and then everybody will complain to me. It was freezing in there. So I want to... Under, I want you to understand and get what this scripture says. Everyone has been commanded to give with cheerfulness. All of us have been commanded by God to pay a tithe. Tithe is a tenth. Off the top of all we receive to give our offerings unto the Lord. Off the top, God says, that belongs to me, it's not even yours. Well, yes, it is mine. Now, here's one thing I know about people. If you want to get on someone's wrong side... Number one, you, you get in and you start dealing with their kids in any way, shape, or form. Number two, you start dealing with their pocketbook or their wallet. And, and people will get very defensive very quick. So that's why I said it's important that your hearts be open to receive and realize that today's like a family little, it's a family meeting, family powwow. He, hear my heart today uh, that, that this message be received with love and not out of a, not a judgmental heart or anything like that. But there's a challenge for us today from the word of the Lord and some things that I need to share with you that are important that we receive them with the right spirit, with the right heart. And so my prayer is that it comes across that way. Because some of these scriptures that I'll read to you, it could be offensive. <laughs> you know, we could be tempted to read something like that and get a little bit put off with God. Like, <laughs> no, nobody here has ever done that, but I've kind of sometimes... Has anybody else felt sometimes a little conviction from the, you read something in scripture and like, ugh. Well, here's what Malachi says in the Old Testament, chapter 3, verse 8. Will man rob God? Yet you are robbing me. But you say, how have I robbed you? In your tithes and your contributions. You are cursed with a curse, for you are robbing me. The whole nation of you, bring the full tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house and thereby put me to the test says the lord of hosts you're not going to find a lot of this in scripture where god says hey i challenge you put me to the test on this and this is what god's saying here put me to the test i give you that challenge now some people say well pastor i i have i have put god to the test because i was giving, and you asked for this and that, and, and I selflessly and sacrificially, I gave, and, and you know, you got to answer for this now, because, uh, and, and I, time out, stop, boy, I can tell you the first problem right now is your attitude in which you gave, and your spirit, because let me remind you, God doesn't need your money, what God wants is your heart, and that's what he's after, 
For most of us, though, they're closely, they're closely linked. <laughs> My wallet, which mine happens to be here, your wallet is often very closely connected to your heart. So let's jump back on the scripture. The Lord says, test me on that. Test me. Put me to the test. If I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down a blessing until there is no more need. So whether we have abundance or not, we should all possess a giving spirit. Every single one of us has to have a spirit and a heart that wants to give to the Lord generously. Give back. Mark chapter 12, verse 43. And he called his disciples to him and he said to them, Truly I say to you, this poor widow has put in more than all of those who are contributing to the offering box. This poor widow. So this woman, you know the story of the widow and her two mites. She didn't have as much as everybody else. But Jesus commended her for not what she gave, but the spirit in which she gave. The heart in which she gave. From her giving spirit. And remember, remember this, if you will, that our giving does far more for us than it does for him. God doesn't, he doesn't need that, like I said. But what he wants is our hearts and our spirits completely surrendered to him. And so I'm going to give you some principles today that uh, will help you financially. They'll bless you financially, I believe. But there's some principles that they don't do much good unless we put them into practice. Let me give you real quickly, because I, like I said, I'm going to abbreviate, so bear with me as I figure out what I'm cutting out. But here's a couple. Matthew was a tax collector, right? So in the Gospel of Matthew, we find tremendous principles on financial freedom and on giving. We've done this in our church many times where we've had classes on financial peace or Dave Ramsey. Some of you have listened to him on the radio. How many of you have ever taken any courses on financial peace through Dave Ramsey or some other? Lots of you in here. If you haven't, it's important that you learn that. A lot of people don't know how to manage their finances. Uh, and, and a lot of churches don't talk about it because here's the, the, the old, uh, you know, the big elephant in the room. Well, you can't talk about money because then people get offended and then they're not going to come to church and then people leave church and, oh, you just got a big mess. But finances are talked about a tremendous deal in Scripture and it's excessive amounts of Scripture with the, the spirit in which we give and the blessing. And again, as I said, the area that says, God says, test me in this. So I want to give you a couple of characteristics or a few uh, from the, the, the gospel of Matthew, the life of Matthew, uh, on the gift of giving. Uh, people with this gift of giving have a characteristic, a keen ability to discern wise investments in order to have more money to give away. And so these people have that ability, a, a wise sense of that, a desire to give quietly without public notice. In fact, in Matthew, uh, there's, there's more counsel on giving in the, in the gospel of Matthew and the use of money than any other gospel writer. If you want to learn how to, to spend wisely, and again, you can get these scriptures written down out there. I'm not going to uh, share all of them with you today, but Matthew gives a tremendous amount of help on finances. If you've never uh, researched and studied on your own finances and how that lines up with biblical principles and how that deals with your heart and your walk with the Lord, I encourage you to dig into this deeper. 
Um, a desire to give quietly without public notice. Matthew's the only gospel writer who emphasized that a person should give secretly so God can reward him openly. It's not about, hey, look at me, look at what I'm, I'm writing, a big check, and I want you all to see what I'm writing. That's not the spirit in which we're to give, right? And Matthew talks about that, give in secret. God will reward openly. A motivation to give as unto the Lord at his promptings, not at the emotional or manipulative appeals of man. And today, uh, I want, as I share my heart, please know my heart is not to... Uh, over-emotionalize things, to manipulate, but to be fair, honest, truthful, straightforward with you and talk to you about what God's word says and how we are to respond as people of God. Um, a desire to give gifts which are a high quality. It's often a characteristic. A tendency to be frugal, uh, an ability to be content with the basic necessities of life. People with this gift, you don't often see them living, uh, you know, what's the word I'm looking for? flamboyantly, thank you, just kind of out there and, you know, they, they're, you know, they, they tend to live a little bit more frugal on their own so that they can bless others. Warren Buffett, I watched a thing on him not too long ago where talked about, you know, all the money that Warren Buffett has, one of the richest men in the world and how much he's given away and how frugally he lives. Uh, this particular documentary showed, it was driving around like a 1996 Lincoln town car. You know, and this was just a few years ago. I mean, he lives very frugally. He said, hey, it works, why not? He doesn't leave, need all this elaborate mansions, just a plain old ordinary house. Yet he gives away a tremendous amount to charities. Uh, and I'm not, don't quote me, I don't know how the guy lives his spiritual life or anything like that, but uh, I know that he lives frugally in his own personal life. Um, those are some of the characteristics. I'm going to just skip over the rest of those. Uh, and they're written down, again, if you want to get them. Weaknesses, if you're not careful, uh, sometimes can give too sparingly to their own family because they're so adamant that they want to bless everybody else and then they can sometimes forget taking care of their own family. And that can even be in the gift of your time. I know families in this very very church, we've had this conversation. They have given and given and given to so many and even in the ministry doing good things, yet their own family was, was robbed of time resources and talent maybe, because they were giving and giving to everybody else. Uh, and family members can resent that. Uh, sometimes they listen to unscriptural counsel on money management. Sometimes they, they put pressure on those who have less to give. Uh, sometimes they, uh, they, they judge those who misuse funds rather than advising them. And I, we have some wonderful people in this church that are very good at managing money. And I've seen some of those people help uh, advise other people in the church, not judge them, not condemn them, but to say, hey, let me help you. This is an area that I happen to be kind of good at. And not everybody's good at it. Maybe you grew up in a family that uh, you didn't learn how to balance a checkbook, how to manage your finances, and you struggle financially all the time. Yet there are other people who don't, who seem to have things together. They have a better understanding of that. Those with this gift should advise those who don't know as much, and not judge. Um, sometimes another weakness is controlling people or ministries by gifts. I've seen that happen. There's a very a well-known and affluent church down in uh, another state from here, I won't say, but I knew of this church and knew of what they were going through and knew that they had a lot of people with a lot of money who liked to uh, assert a lot of power in the church. And when push came to shove and these people with a lot of money said, if you don't do what I tell you to do with all my money, then I'm leaving and I'm taking my money with me. And that led to an internal 
um, conflict within the church and to ultimately an implosion in that church and it divided that church and scattered people all over, over money and over hearts that were sour and wrong and motives that were wrong. Sometimes people with this gift can corrupt people by giving too much. Um, maybe they can enable people and then people look to them as their source of provision instead of to Jehovah Jireh, our provider, and sometimes we get in the way. So again, with every gift that I've shared with you about over the last few weeks, I've given some strengths and some weaknesses to those gifts, and today I'm just going to cut out some of that and go right to the characteristics. But let me remind you, like this widow with the two mites, it's not how much we have, but how we use what we have that really matters. So you may be here and say, wow, I don't have a lot to give, Pastor, not of my my resources anyway. But understand this from a biblical perspective and the widow with the two mites. It's not how much you have. It's how you use what you have that really matters. And sometimes we don't use that well. We live in a society that is very me-driven. We live in a society that's very, and this is going to really irk some of you, this is another whole message, but we live in a society that has really stressed us being comfortable in our lifestyles. We sit in a very comfortable church, but even though it's a little warm today, it's usually very comfortable. Uh, we have soft seats. Most of you live in, in comfortable environments in your home, whether you have a home or a house or an apartment or whatever it might be, very comfortable. And we're taught in our society that we should pursue having those things that make us happy and comfortable. And I would propose to you today that that's a little bit counter-gospel. Because <laughs> Jesus says, take all that you have and give it away to feed the poor and come and follow me. In fact, he says, you don't have time to go and bury the dead. Let the dead bury themselves. Now's the time for you to follow me. So you leave all that behind. Take what's nearest and dearest to you, your friends, your family, your brothers and sisters. Kiss them goodbye and come and follow me. That's the kind of lifestyle that Jesus has called us to. We don't preach that in America. Why? That doesn't go over very well, does it? No. Let's be honest. So do we want to take out the parts of the scripture that we don't like? Because that's a hard one there. I don't th I'm going to rip that right out because that's... And so it's, it's hard. It's challenging. Now, we also have to remember that Jesus promised that he would provide for your every need. Well, then how come my needs aren't being met, Greg? So let's, let's talk about that a little bit. If we honor the word of God concerning receiving, giving, and managing, all of us will be able to bless the work of God in a greater dimension and, and in turn be blessed by God for our obedience. And so today is a challenge for every single, listen to me, man, woman, and young person in this room, even teenagers, listen to me. Get a, get a handle on this now while you're a young person, because it doesn't get any easier when you get older. You say, oh, I'll have a full-time job. I'll make more money. You'll have more expenses. You'll have more debt. You get a hand on these principles now and learn that the Lord wants you to be financially free. Well, I know how to have financial freedom. Play the lotto. Win a million. Pay it all off. And you're set for life, right? I haven't found that anywhere in here yet. But if you find that, please show me. Oh, that's in the, the book of Craig, chapter 4. No. Um, 
here's some principles on financial freedom. Again, I'm going to go through these quick, but you're going to have all the references there, and you can pick up a paper to dig more into them yourself. <clears throat> but these are God's principles, financial freedom. They're not the world's principles. Number one, giving. Number one, you give to God. Shows you right there in Scripture in Malachi and in Proverbs. You give to family, 1 Timothy chapter 5. Give to believers, Romans, Genesis, or Galatians, I'm sorry. Give to the poor in Proverbs. And give to Christian workers. That's how we're supposed to give. We want to be financially free. So I'm going to tell you the story right now real quick. <clears throat> We've got some people leaving for a quick little video shoot with our team, so just don't worry about that. They'll catch this online. I had a gal come up to me, and this is, this is kind of what led me to uh, change up the message today a little bit and um, take a, a little bit of a different turn. Same message that I've been planning on preaching, um, but I'm going to give you a challenge today, and I'm going to share with you just one story here and then another story that we have an opportunity to potentially step up to. But there's a woman in our church that came to me just last week. In fact, it was out in the lobby after church. And uh, it's a single mom in our church who went through a, a very painful betrayal and a divorce in her marriage and uh, still a part of this church with her children. And she's a single mom with, with several children. I don't want to give anything away. And <clears throat> she said, Pastor, is the church... Do you think the church would be able to help me like you did last year with heating assistance? And it kind of stopped me cold in my tracks. And the reason it did is because we're not in a good place right now to do that. We're in no place to do that. And that broke my heart because as a church, we should be taking care of the poor, the widows, the single moms in need. We should be doing our part to, to be a blessing to them, right? And so I, my response to her was, was a painful, well, that depends upon when. Right now, no. We've got no money to help you. Uh, and that's hard. <laughs> As a church that has been very, very accustomed to being very generous and blessing those in need and helping when people had a crisis, especially within our own family, to say, you know what? I understand your situation. I know that you're not, a, you're not taken advantage of. You're not an abuser of the system, blah, blah, blah. Man, I'll, boom, we'll help you. We're, we're there. And it broke my heart to have to say, we can't right now. I don't know if or when we will be able to. But this ties right into the message today when we talk about the believers, the poor, Christian people. And this is someone who serves and, and gives constantly. These are, these are principles to financial freedom. If you want to be free in your life, you've got to learn how to apply these principles. The next one is receiving. We receive through working. There's some people that want to receive, but they don't want to work. The Bible says the worker is worthy of his wages, that we need to work, right? We receive through prayer, aligning ourselves with the principles, the priorities of, of prayer and the Word of God, through investing wisely. <clears throat> yes, Scripture even talks about wise investing. Matthew is brilliant at these principles. Through God's blessings upon your obedience. These are the secrets and the keys to financial freedom. That God wants to bless you, but you have to position yourself in a place to receive those blessings through what we call obedience. Number three, managing. Managing. Save something. Proverbs 21. Plan for unexpected emergencies. Pay bills on time. And build sales resistance. 
Those are all important things. Did we get the air turned on in here yet? Because I'm dying up here. Can someone come fan me? Well, I'm just kidding. Um, we have this argument at home all the time because I'm always hot, my wife's always cold, and I'm like, honey, I can only take off so much. Uh, you, she puts on layers and layers. She's got a hoodie on, I'm in shorts and a t-shirt, and I'm dying. Um, that's a side note. But here's, here's how we manage. Here's how you manage your finances. Be careful of alluring advertising because when we watch things on TV, sometimes it, it sucks us in. It has two basic messages. You know, you can watch TV and say, oh man, look how nice everybody else has it. Look how bad I have it and we don't have anything. Number one, you do not have all the things you need to be happy. That's what advertising says. Oh, thank you, David, very much. Appreciate that. You do not, advertising will say, you, you don't have everything you need to be happy. You'll watch HGTV and you'll see that awesome kitchen with all the nice stuff and you'll be like, oh, I can never cook in my kitchen again. My kitchen sucks. It's just terrible. Look at that kitchen on HGTV. I know that's not a Christian term. Forgive me. Um, <laughs> but that's, that's what happens to us. We watch all these things and then we start to believe or think that the things I already have are not good enough. Well, I got a car and it gets me around, but... Look at that car. That's shinier and nicer and, you know, better this or better that. Uh, be careful of the alluring advertising that sucks us all in. And I'm not saying that God doesn't want to bless you. He does want to bless you. And there's nothing wrong with having nice things. Don't misinterpret what I'm saying either. As long as those things don't have you. And that's often what happens is those nice things become our idol or our God. We've got to have the bigger, the better, the shinier, the newer, the faster, the whatever it might be. Get the best buy. Proverbs talks about that. A good buy is not paying more than necessary for a product. I have this disease where I'll go in, I'll shop the clearance, I'll look around, I'll go to three places, find the best deal, I'll buy it, and then I'll still keep shopping like, oh, I think I can get a better deal. I'll keep looking. Does anybody else do that? Okay. Thank you, Sarah. We're in the same company. Um, guard impulse buying. Proverbs 19 talks about this. Isaiah 55. Don't be an impulse shopper buyer. How do you guard impulse buying? Number one, through prayer. And when you get into prayer, into God's word, possessions begin to lose their appeal. Through Proverbs, wisdom of God, swindlers will be exposed, people trying to take you for a ride. And through patience, your emotions can and will be constrained. Watch your borrowing. 22 Proverbs chapter 22, verse 7. You've got to understand the meaning of debt. Debt is to allow another to have claim against you. And if you were like Lisa and I, when we started right out of college, we didn't have any money. We had college loans, and the first thing we started doing was, excuse me, we had credit cards. Because you can, you can take care of your expenses right there, right, when you don't have the money. So what are you doing with that? You're basically buying money. That's called interest. Oh, you know, we had, and we had all of our furniture our first uh, couple of years was given to us. We hadn't. Uh, bought anything, but had a kitchen set that worked, and this that worked, and that that worked. It was all hand-me-down stuff, which was fine. It's where we were at, um, young and, and green and not with much money. And then all of a sudden, uh, you know, a year into that, oh, man, we can go and we can open up a line of credit at the furniture store. We can have a new kitchen set. Ugh, isn't it? And it won't cost us anything. Yeah, it will. It'll cost you three times what the price tag was when you buy it on interest and store credit at 12%, right? But we don't, how many of you did that dumb thing when you were young? You didn't learn, right? Only a few, oh boy, I feel really dumb. Okay, I did it, many of you did. We mess up, we learn the mistakes. 
borrowing is presuming I can pay back tomorrow what I borrowed today. And it's not that it's sinful, it's just costly. We borrow it. As resources are devoured through interest payments, it's, we get ourselves in over our head. Always keep in mind, if we don't have something, we must not need it. Because God promised he would supply all our needs. Right? Those of you who are in the church for a while, you've heard this and you know it, but we don't always live it. Because we've got to have that bigger, better, nicer, faster, you know, whatever it is. If you don't have it, you must not need it. Refuse to allow advertising to make you discontent with what you have and who you are. Refuse to allow advertising. If you watch TV for any length of time, you're going to start to say, oh, I don't have that, or I don't look like that, or I don't have those. Boy, you know, look at that. I could get that face cream. It takes all my wrinkles away, all my gray away. I put the Chia Pet and the Rogaine by it all, put it, it didn't help, you know, nothing helped. Um, but the truth is this, think about it, right? We watch that stuff, we see it, whether it's the, the house, the car, the phone, the you know, TV, whatever it is, the beauty products that we, we look at that stuff and we say we don't look good enough or we don't have enough, so I've got to buy it. I don't have the money to buy it, or do I really need that? So I want to just give you, before I, I share heart here in closing, uh, I want to give you a few things to ask yourself before you purchase. Again, these are practical steps. Ask yourself before you purchase this item, do I really need this item? Not like, do you want this item? I have a lot of wants, but when I submit those to the Lordship of Christ in my life, I begin to realize that, you know, all those wants are not really needs. And that's a hard balance, isn't it, guys? Because we live in this consumer mentality that says, man, if you don't have it, then go get it because you want it and it makes you happy and you deserve it, doggone it. You work hard, right? Well, you don't have all the money you need right now, but that's okay. Put it on credit or on credit card because you need to have that to be happy. If that's what makes you happy, then go do it. If that's what makes you more comfortable, then you deserve it. And we believe that, right? In our heads, we buy into some of that. And it puts us in a bad place as a body. How many times have you had opportunities come your way that you thought, man, I'd like to help that person that's in need, that I see is in need. But you can't because you don't have. Because all of your extra resources have been expanded already. They've been spent. They've been exhausted. Do I really need this? B, can I really afford it? C, am I buying higher quality than I need? Maybe this will work, but I could... Only $23 more, I could get that, and that's going to last me at least. Well, maybe you don't need to spend that extra little for that extra quality. Have I checked at least two other prices? Will it unite or divide my family time? And this is about, again, going back to heart issues. Is Is the upkeep economical? Will it soon be outdated? Those are a couple of practical things to think about when you're going through financial strain, stress. And the reality is in America, uh, many people are, but we are a very, very rich country. We are a very, very comfortable people. And again, I'm not saying that um, things are bad. 
and for you to have things is bad. It's when those things become more important to you than God. It's when those things tie you so bad financially that you're not able to bless another brother or sister in need that you have to step back and reevaluate and say, is something out of balance in my life? So the gift of giving is, is one of the things that we talked about today. Um, I want to talk to you about that family need that I mentioned earlier um, about the, the gal who needs heating assistance. And so I'm going to share with you a little bit of where we're at as a church. So this is, this is real honest, open, transparent, candid, heart-to-heart stuff. And, um, and I hope that you're not offended by it. I hope that you're, you're grateful that I'm being real with you. But I, I need to, as your pastor, tell you where we're at. We come and we sit in this beautiful church week after week and we think all is well and things are good. And, and we don't talk about, for, for various reasons, sometimes as a pastor, we, we're, we're afraid to talk about the issue of money because we know that sensitive area for people, um, but sometimes to a fault because you don't know what's going on. So the reality is when I had to look at that young gal and say, you know what, I don't know if or when we'll be able to help you, is a hard and a painful thing. Um, about a year and a half or two ago, I would have been able to say, you know what, we have $40,000 in our savings account. We can, we can help you with your heating assistance this year. Today, we don't have that. Today, we don't have any money in our savings account. Um, a church our size should have a, a minimum of 40,000. And that might sound a lot for your personal account. You think that's a lot of money. Um, but, you know, we're told as a church you should have extra in there for, you know, certain things. Snow days, rainy days, emergencies, heat pump breaks, something of that nature. Uh, but a church our size, a ministry our size, we should have uh, thirty dollars to $40,000 at minimum in our savings account. Um, and we don't have anything in our savings account. Um, I'll go one step further to tell you that uh, over the summer, with giving being down significantly, um, that's normal. Every church goes down giving. People are away to camps. They're here, they're there, they're traveling. It's, all, it's that way all across the board. But we, we've had such a downtick in our giving that it has made our day-to-day operations almost unmanageable. Um, and I'm not proud of these things, but you need to be aware of them because they're, they're not just my burdens to carry or just Kevin's burdens or our bookkeepers. They're all of ours. But the last um, three mortgage payments out of the last four, or five, four months or so, we've had to call the mortgage company and say, we can't make the payment on time. Uh, we have to push it back. We've had to sit down and have some really hard meetings uh, uh, with Kevin as our, our chief operating officer and the bookkeeper, myself, and say, okay, here's our bills this week. We're a cash flow business. Keep that in mind. That's how we kind of operate. Here's our bills this week, and here's our um, payroll. We can't make them both. Can't make payroll and bills. What are we going to do? What's not going to get paid? Those are the realities of where we're at as a church. You say, well, why are you sharing that with me, Pastor? Why, why? Well, because you need to realize and understand that this is, we all share this responsibility. Um, I would love to be able to get back to where we're at, bless people in need without it. You know, and God's brought us to a place where we've got to walk by faith. Now, I'll tell you, when my wife and I came here, it'd be 14 years this December. We came here 14 years ago. We were in the same place. We were in a bad place then. I remember those days. Patty, you remember those days um, where we, we had to look and say, okay, what, can we, what are we going to pay? But God has brought things around, turned things around. 
Uh, the businesses, the ministry's grown, therefore the business things have expanded, the expenses. But we need to, we need to be a people of faith, and we need to continue to lead this church on faith, and we will. But we have to also look at the practical side and say, okay, what are we going to cut? What are we going to give? I don't personally want to be of a church that says, well, we can't afford to do this ministry. We can't do that outreach. We can't give to this person in need. We can't help with that need. We can't do you know, some of our missions commitment. Uh, to me, that's, well, we could cut a lot of stuff and we could survive. Is that what God's called Centerpoint Community Church too? I don't believe so. So what's the deal? Why are you sharing this with me? Well, because we own this, we own this responsibility. Um, our giving has been down, no savings. Expenses are not, you know, are, are more than expected. Um, we've been struggling. There's, there's not surplus. But we can do better if everyone did their part. If everyone did their part. In fact, I believe 100% without a question in my mind, without a doubt, without even a bat of an eyelash, that if everyone was tithing that came to this church, if everyone was tithing, none of these would be needs at all. Period, zippo, zero, zilch. I believe that 100%. Why do I believe that? Because of what God's word says. If everybody tithed in this church, the savings account would be at surplus. All the bills would be met. There would not be the financial struggle. So, the question for you is, where are you at and how are you doing with your tithes? Uh, and again, this is a family powwow today. Share the same heart in first service. And I know that people say, Pastor, I'd like to, but I can't because I'm in a bad place personally. And I get that. And I hear that a lot. And that's why I wanted to give you some principles to financial freedom. You've got to get your own house in order. You've got to get your house in order. The first way that you get your house in order is you put God first. You put this there, and he says, test me in this, and he'll take care of the rest. You get your house in order. So here's the other problem. I got a call, well, the other issue, got a call from our good friends, Mark and Lori Reynolds. They're over in the Bahamas right now where they have a, uh, a home that they, they vacation to a couple times a year. Uh, many of you know Mark and Lori. You hear the Bahamas, oh, they're rich, or oh, that's, 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 that's Paradise Island, and there's no problems. Well, you know that Hurricane Dorian wiped out that island, and it's in, uh, it's in upheaval. There's, there's uh, countless dead and many more to be found dead. There's homes ravaged and ransacked. Um, there's a lot of need there, and, and Lori sent me a video. She said, Pastor, can we, can we help with the needs here in the Bahamas? They have a church there. Um, What's it called, honey? Uh, Freeport Bible? I forget the name of it. Freeport Bible Church, my wife and I have been. And my wife and I are actually going over there to serve with them this week um, and to be a part of helping there. Uh, it, was a, it was a planned, scheduled vacation for us that we scheduled a year ago. Well, flights got canceled. Things got changed. We were planning on saying, let's just not go. There's, there's not running water uh, there in a lot of places. It's sporadic and intermittent. There's no electric on much of the Grand Bahama Islands. And there are countless, countless thousands of people without homes. And we say, oh, it's paradise. They got it made. No, the majority of that island is poor. There's some beautiful white sandy beaches, but the majority of the people that live there are absolutely poor and have nothing. So she said, what can we do as a church to help? You know what my response was? We can't do anything. That's, that's hard. Because there's been times when in the past we've said, you know what? We'll write $5,000. Here's a check. 
And, and I know that we can't outgive God, but until this house is in order, how can we give to other houses? And that's a travesty, church, because God wants us to help others. He wants to help our Christian brothers. So what's the plan, Pastor Craig? Well, let me let, me let you watch this video from Lori real quick, and I'm going to unfail a quick plan in the next three minutes here and wrap up. So go ahead and roll that video, Brian, would you? This is from Lori Reynolds. Hey, Center Point Church family. I am here in Freeport, Grand Bahama, which is our uh, church family, Freeport Bible Church. We are gathering here because we're going to be coming a distribution center, and we need your help. <laughs> Desperately need your help. We are trying to raise funds uh, to provide housing for those that have lost everything. Their homes literally crumble beneath them and they need to get them into housing, which will mean first month, last month's, and rent. About $1,800 per family, so that's one way that you can help. We need to raise funds for these people. It is just a tragedy what they have gone through. The church itself is trying to raise $300,000 so that their school can continue the money towards that will go towards tuition and go towards teacher salaries and go towards providing meals for the students. Because many of these families, as you saw online, as you saw on the news, the water just came and destroyed everything. So many people have lost their lives. So many people are going through PTSD right now because the storm took everything they have. And so be back in America. There's so much that we can do, and I implore you that you will be able to kind of make this your mission feel better now, and that you will step up and you will do this over to help us to help those in need. And so, Center Point, thank you, thank you, thank you for letting us be able to be here and to be, but we need you. So, please give what you can to help those in need. Thanks, Center Point. See you in a couple of weeks. So I used the figure of $5,000 because in my mind I thought, you know, like I said, a year and a half ago or so, it would have been nothing for me to go to the board and say, hey, can we send $5,400, $5,500 to get three families a place to live? Uh, it would have been a no-brainer. Our church would have said, absolutely, we got that. We'll help them out. Three families without homes. Their homes have been ravaged and devastated. And again, these are not wealthy people. That church is very much, very similar to this church. It's uh, about the same size. Um, it, it's, uh, except for the, we have more diversity here than they have there. I think they're, they're 90, 95 or 90%, 90% all black Haitians, or not Haitians, um, Bahamians. Um, but they are very similar to this church here. And so what bothers me is I look at this church and something like that could happen here. Anything, you know, let it be a, a winter storm that knocks out power, or collapses roofs and families without a need. And I want our church to be in a place to be able to help others. And I know that you do too, don't you? That's our heart. We want to be able to serve. So, you know, this church, this is his church. This is God's church. And he's going to build his church and the gates of hell will not prevail. But he needs people like you and I. Not our resources, but our hearts. Where our hearts are solely, completely committed to him, our resources will follow. And so that's what the Lord's looking for. Whether it's two mites and your heart is completely, I'm all in, God, or whether it's $2,000. So I want to ask you in the next three weeks to consider how you can help. And I want you to prayerfully consider a sacrificial gift to help this church to get jump-started back to where we need to be so that we can honor God and we can serve this community and His kingdom the way we should. 
So if 150 families, if 150 families, which we have that more than that in this church, if 150 giving units or family units gave $200, that'd be $30,000. If 150 people said, I can do $250, Pastor Craig, that's $37,500. That's about where we need to be. And then we can say, you know what? Lori and Mark, here's a check for $5,400. Let's get three people in homes that need to be in homes. Um, we're planning on missions trips again, and we've done many missions trips where we've gone over to Guatemala to help build churches, and we've brought money and resources with us to help build. We can't do that right now, church. But I'm 100% convinced, without a shadow of a doubt, if we all did our small part, God will take that and bless it, and we won't have financial needs. God doesn't have financial needs. We have heart issues. So I want to ask you to examine your heart today. And on, on, by October the 1st, I hope that I can come back and report to you that God has used you to bring our church around to an amazing place. Some of you sit here today and say, I don't think I can do that, Pastor. I, I can't make that sacrifice. I don't have 200 or $250. Some of you can do more. For some of you, that'll be an extreme sacrifice. From me and my family, it means we'll be probably doing, you know, we just did a yard sale uh, to help with some of our personal family expenses that we've been planning for a while, a vacation. Those are the realities of how we live, doing yard sales, getting rid of stuff. Do you know how much stuff, we, we had so much stuff in that yard sale, it was a ton of stuff. Uh, it looked like a, you know, a multi-block family yard sale. We could probably do another one of those. With five kids in our house, we tend to collect stuff, and you have a lot of stuff too, don't you? <laughs> and I'll be selling some stuff in the next couple of weeks so that I can make a sacrificial love offering to this church. I guarantee you. And I'm asking you to consider what you can do. Oh, don't get angry and upset with me. Just examine your heart. Say, Lord, what can I do? Because some of you can do way more than $250. But that's to just get our church jump-started. And then I would ask you beyond that, um, the church has been going through, you know, we've gone through a season. It's been painful. We've, we've lost some, some givers. We've lost some people. We've lost people. But God is preparing us for greater things ahead. And this is a time when we as a church have to walk by faith, not by sight. And we as a church will continue. And I, I stand before you, uh, and I've been saying this since I've been here from day one. We will not allow our pocketbook to determine our vision. We have a vision to reach our community and our city. But the reality is when it, when it comes down to it, we have to look and say, these are bills we have to pay. How, where else can we cut? And I don't want to be looking as your pastor what else we need to cut. I want to be looking at who else we can bless. Do you want to be a part of that kind of church? That was a little weak. That's what I want to be a part of. And But, here, but here's the deal. It only takes a handful, right, to say I want to be a part of a church that's moving and making a difference. But it takes all of us cooperating and, and obeying the commands of the Lord Jesus Christ to tithe and to give unto the Lord what is the Lord's. Would you stand to your feet with me this morning? I'm going to invite the ushers to come at this time. Worship team, would you come? We're going to do what we like to do here, and that's to rejoice. Listen to me. Rejoice, fellowship, and give as unto the Lord. And I know that many of you give on your apps, and therefore you don't have to get out of your seat and go shake someone's hand. But here's what's important at our church. We've got a couple ushers up front and a couple in the back, I believe. Um, I want to encourage you to step out of your seat anyway and go greet someone, meet someone, because that spirit and that atmosphere is important. It's contagious that we reconnect. I'm looking at the Dow family. You know, we've missed you guys all summer, and I see you're back. And we've missed a lot of people that have been away. Um, so get out of, you know, get out of your comfort zone and go 
meet and greet some people. Let's bring our gifts. Don't, don't hide behind, oh, I'm giving on my app. I don't have to talk to somebody. What we do at our church is we like the fellowship and we love to rejoice in giving our gifts back unto the Lord. So I encourage you to, to step out of your seat and do that. Uh, let's, let's close with a song of celebration with rejoicing in our hearts, believing that God is going to do great things through us as we obey him. Amen? And so let's, uh, let's see what we can do for those in the Bahamas. Let's take care of our house. Let's get it in order. And let's let God use us to be a blessing to others. Lord, I thank you for those that are giving this morning. And I pray that you would bless and multiply and use their gifts for the furtherance of your kingdom right here in central Maine, right in this very community, helping an individual with heating assistance and other needs that are, and all the way to the Bahamas and all the way to where we give in, in China, in Russia, wherever it is that we are giving of our, our resources as missions, Lord, that you would continue to use this church to be a light to the world in a dark place. And we recognize the light that shines the farthest shines the brightest at home. So help our light to shine bright right here in this church. In Jesus' name.